wow, uh, is what I have to say. Wow. Uh, that was, I mean, vampire space bunnies did not come down onto the uh, platform today. But I will tell you, I'm almost as shocked as I would have been with uh, vampire space bunnies arriving. <laughs> Uh, that was a performance from Donald Trump, the likes of which I haven't seen. It was Reagan-esque. He was, he was compassion, compassion trolling. Mm. He was like, and I feel bad. I feel bad for you. I mean, I, could you explain that? I mean, he really, he complimented the moderator who I'm pretty sure he knows who she is. And she let Joe Biden off the hook several times. And if you look at what they were talking about, none of it was Donald Trump's strength. And I thought he creamed him. I thought he creamed him. I think there was definitely a moment where the Biden staffers were hoping for the bunny invasion uh, <laughs> yeah. that he spoke of. Maybe that would interrupt the evening. Uh, that was night and day, I think, uh, from debate number one. If he would have done that the first, first time. Yeah. This, would have, this would be a different uh, scenario. And this may, you know, who knows? I think this is a really good performance, I think, by Trump. I was frustrated a few times at the moderator. Whenever he tried to get near the Hunter Biden thing, she stepped, uh, she stepped on it and cut oh, him yeah, off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, and she it, was much better than Chris now, Wallace, I thought. He is clearly now on the record denying taking any money, having his family enrich themselves, yeah. uh, millions of dollars. It was $1.3 billion that was invested through his family from China. Um, he's he's now clearly on the record. This if if he becomes president, he will be forced to resign early in his presidency if he even makes it um, because of this scandal. It will not go away. Yeah, I definitely uh, was. I shouldn't say surprised, but uh, it's always striking to see Joe Biden just the audacity that he has to just lie the way that he does. Lies that we know are clearly lies and he just stands there and lies and it just comes out of his tongue, <laughs> comes out of his mouth Natural. so easily. It, it's scary. It was, to me, I thought Donald Trump had a couple of strategies. One, let him talk, mm -hmm. wear him out. Yeah. Two, um, be kind and compassionate and, and polite. He did those two things really, really well. The other... Paint him as a typical politician. Mm -hmm. Here's a president who made a credible case, I ain't part of the system. I'm in the <laughs> Oval Office every day, and I'm not part of the system. And he did. When he took him on on that, that one uh, rant where Joe Biden was like, look, and I know you were talk talking to your daughter Susie, who lost her eyes, at least one of them is with that lost sock she had, and you sit there and you talk, and I understand you. And when Donald Trump had the nerve to say, what is that answer except a stereotypical political politician? Yeah. I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I thought he was sharp tonight, and I thought uh, Joe Biden was not. And that's the type of thing that I think the president uh, needed and wanted. I, I, I marked the time uh, when Joe Biden started to fade, where he started to get a little lost, mm -hmm. and it was 34 minutes in. The president of time. the United States can't have a 30-minute runtime before he starts to get fuzzy. We have uh, Donald Trump Jr. on with us now. Don, I thought your father was lightning in a bottle tonight. This was the best performance I have seen 
Um, it was very Reagan-esque. He was very Ronald Reagan tonight. Uh, listen, I, I thought it was awesome. I was watching that, and that's what we you know, lost last time when you had sort of the constant interruption is he didn't get to go through his record. And I love that he called out Joe Biden, which is, this is great, Joe. Your ideas, they're wonderful. Why'd you wait 47 years to implement any of them? This is what we hate about our Washington, D.C. politics. It's all talk and no action. And if you look through Donald Trump's record, you look at what he's gotten done. He had it on the tips of his finger. He pointed out to the American people, since the mainstream media refuses to do any of that, Glenn. I, I just thought, I don't know the strategy that he used today to be a, I mean, I think he was concerned trolling. Um, where he seemed really genuine. He, he was not mean. He was not angry. Um, and he boxed Joe Biden into every corner. The opening, Joe Biden seemed like the Grim Reaper. I mean, we were, we're entering the winter of death or whatever it was he said. Dark winter. Yeah. It, no. it was stark, the difference between the two. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, that's the reality. And that's what the Democrats have been doing with COVID all along. It's why you see the response as it relates to the blue states versus the red states. Because the Democrats don't care if you go into a lockdown. If you lose your job, you lose your business, uh, if you lose your livelihood, we'll put you on a government program. You'll be yeah. a Democrat voter for life. It's yeah. like their game plan at this point. Uh, this notion that you know somehow New York, when he pointed out to New York as the example, when Joe Biden said New York's the example by which to follow, I go, Please list me one metric where New York isn't like 49 or right. 50 out of 50 in terms of terrible performance. Infection rate, death rate, destruction of business, shutdown business, people moving out of the state because of those same failed policies. I mean, give me one example where New York isn't like exactly what you don't want to do. Exactly right. Uh, and so you know, the DJT called them out on that thing was awesome. Um, the other thing that um, I think there were a lot of people on the right, at least, at least, I was because I was in 2010 looking at the cages and begging people in the media to pay attention to the cages. I think there were a lot of people, at least on the right, that were saying, thank God. When he said, who built the cages, mm -hmm. who built the cages, who built the cages? It was frustrating yeah. that the moderator would not reinforce. Could you just answer that question on a couple of those questions? I mean, she was relatively, I think she cut off my father a lot more than she did Joe Biden. But for the most part, I thought it was, you know, it was reasonable. Yeah, as as best too. as we're going to expect from a, you know, from a former O'Biden, uh, O'Biden, Obama administration sort of person. So, you know, I, I don't expect much, but it was definitely better than I would have thought and probably much better than Joe Biden's intern, Steve Scully, would have given us in the second debate. So, no, I think that was important. And I think it was also important to point out the stuff about China and Hunter Biden. We've literally, Glenn, we've never had a presidential candidate. That's more likely compromised, uh, more likely paid off by foreign entities. And when Joe Biden says, oh, it's not in my tax returns. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of ways. Hunter's holding it for you. Uh, let's see Hunter's tax returns. Let's see Jim Biden's tax returns. Let's talk about this. They want to talk about my father. The reality is, yes, we've had businesses all over the world. That's what we did. Unlike Hunter Biden, we were actually international business people prior to taking office. We stopped doing new deals going forward. When Hunter got the opportunity to pedal off of his father's vice presidency, that's when he became an international businessman, magically. He offered no services. He had no skill set. That didn't stop him from making millions and millions of dollars from the Biden family. Now his partner comes out and corroborates it, and the media is pretending like this thing isn't real, like it didn't yeah. happen.
The reality is this, Glenn. The Democrats and Nancy Pelosi, they impeached Donald Trump for being right about Joe Biden. Let me <laughs> let me t- let me tell you um, that it you have now Joe Biden on the record saying he and his family have never taken any money. Uh, they never did any business deals uh, with China. Uh, there was never any, you know, tit for tat. Um, and and the all the documents uh, that are coming out have all been disproven. I mean, you have him on the record six ways to Sunday, uh, and the, and especially the the uh, the the last one was the the laptop was Russian. Your your father yeah, handled no. that brilliantly. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. But here we go again. Russia, Russia, Russia. By the way, the director of national intelligence, and more importantly, the FBI. And I don't say more importantly, the FBI, because they have any more credibility. I think more importantly, even they acknowledge it. And let's just face it. The FBI was part of the coup. The highest levels of the FBI, they hid the exculpatory evidence from Flynn. So I use that as the example. Like These people are no Trump fans. And even they said, yes, there's absolutely no proof of that. But that doesn't stop. Adam Schiff from going on and saying it's the gospel. It doesn't stop these people, the 50 people that Joe Biden always refers to, the partisan Democrat hacks. Oh, yeah, it's a Russian. They have no proof of this whatsoever. Frankly, everyone says it's exactly the opposite. The same never Trumpers and the Democrats are pushing Iranian disinformation. We know that to be a case. You think that's because Trump is soft on Iran or do you think it's because they want Joe Biden to win because they know he's going to give them whatever they want? Of course, that's the case. It's why everyone's going to be soft on Joe Biden. It's why our intelligence agencies say China wants Joe Biden to win, because he's compromised. He's been bought and paid for. Yeah, maybe Joe doesn't have the money. It's sort of magical how he went from 300,000 income to 17 million. But, you know, I'm sure it has nothing to do with Hunter and Hunter and the S-Corps and the brother, Jim, all the money they're probably holding. Guess what? I wouldn't get the benefit of the doubt, Glenn, if they said, hey, uh, D is going to get 10 million and hold 10 for the big guy. I, I wouldn't get that. They're like, well, we have no idea who H is. There's three people in the email. Only one of their names starts with H. <laughs> I mean, what does anyone believe is going on? You know, that they're pretending that this is Russian disinformation. I didn't get that same benefit of the doubt, Glenn. I didn't have any benefit of the doubt when they tried pinning much less, frankly, than what Hunter Biden did, but they accused me of doing things similar. Hunter Biden did about 1,000 times what I was accused of doing. Turns out it was nothing. It didn't stop them from dragging me through the mud for three years. It didn't stop me from having to do 30 hours of testimony. It didn't stop them from running with no basis whatsoever that Donald Trump is an agent of Russia. So all of these quote-unquote journalists who are pretending that this doesn't meet their standard— if it doesn't meet the standard, why wouldn't the Biden campaign just come out and say the emails are not real? I mean, that would be a simple solution. It's been five days. No one's done that because it's right. Hunter Biden's partner, a Navy veteran, confirmed it. Can we stop playing this game? We may give the presidency to a guy that could be bought and paid for by Ukraine, Russia, China, and who knows who else. It's disgusting. So, uh, Don, let me um, uh, we have just about a minute left with you, and I, I want to hit one more thing. I thought there were two really important things that came out there towards the end when Biden, I think, was losing steam, and that is no fracking on federal land. If you know anything at all about oil contracts or or natural gas contracts in the United States, federal land is what matters. 
they're if you close down federal land, you're pretty much closing up fracking uh, to a great extent. And then I will shut down the oil industry. Um, I mean, 15 years to go from where we are uh, to all electric. And if you're doing electric, where's that power coming from? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's coal, coal plants. powered. It's not electric power. It's coal powered. Yeah. Or natural gas power. That's the reality. And no one talks about that. But yeah, it was important for my father to hit that home. I put it up on my Twitter feed. There's like a, literally a video of like 15 examples of Joe Biden talking about how he's going to end these things, how he's going to shut it down. He's telling people at the Democratic debates, he's doing it at town halls, he's doing it at rallies. But then he can go to Pennsylvania, say exactly the opposite. And the media that's supposed to be fact checking all of these things, notice they never fact check that. They just let him get away with it because they know it would hurt him in Pennsylvania, just like they know his crime bill and his issues on race. I was so glad my father was able to talk about his successes, the things that he was able to do as it relates to the African-American community, the Hispanic community, and, and everyone else, frankly, as it relates to prison reform to right the wrongs of Joe Biden's disastrous 90s crime bill that put so many families away that, by the way, created problems for families because we all know fatherless families. Uh, the statistics don't work out all that well. Joe Biden put tens of thousands of these people in jail, but now he's going to fix it. Uh, no one believes it anymore. And Joe Biden was called out tonight and called out, uh, in the words of Donald Trump, bigly. <laughs> uh, Donald Trump Jr., thank you so much. God bless and uh, our you. best to your father and, uh, and to all the people who are out on the road with him. Stay safe. Thank you so much, Don. Um, there, you know, I... I think the Blaze is the only group that actually went to DHS and and asked them for a statement on these missing children story. Okay, because that doesn't make sense. These children, where, then where are the parents? Mm -hmm. If you left your kid, either one of you, you had the government of Mexico. You were crossing, and the government of Mexico had your kid for two years or whatever it is. Where would you be? Uh, I would not turn around and go home right. and forget about it. Right? Yeah, yeah, you'd be standing outside of whatever yes. facility the kid was in. Banging down would, the doors. And you would find mm -hmm. every parent that you knew of these 500, and you would try to get international press because they would listen to you. So we didn't, it didn't feel right to us. Right. So the Blaze asked uh, Chase Jennings from the Department of Homeland Security. This is the response from official Homeland Security. This narrative has been dispelled on numerous occasions. DHS has taken every step to facilitate the reunification of these families where the parents wanted such reunification to occur. The simple fact is, after contact was made with the parents to reunite them with their children, Many parents have refused. In the current litigation, for example, out of the parents of 485 children whose plaintiff's counsel have been able to contact, they have yet to identify a single family that wants their child reunited with them in their country. Mm. The result is the children remain in the U.S. while the parents remain in their home country. The reunification process is a whole-of-government approach involving CBP, ICE, and HHS. Mm -hmm. What kind of parent? Don't, don't play on my heartstrings about these poor parents that haven't been united with their children and the children that haven't been re reunited. What parent allows a child 
to stay in government custody instead of coming home. Well, that's what has made this talking point from the left so despicable, because they know that. It's not like they don't know that. They understand that these children are being brought here by coyotes, that these children are being brought here by other people, or that the parents are just simply, you know, taking them and dropping them off and turning around and leaving. They know that. And yet they still continue with this narrative, this talking point that, you know, children are being separated from their They're being ripped from their parents at the border. You know, they're being ripped apart. Families are being ripped apart at the border. And they simply know that that's not true. And that's what's been so frustrating about this talking point. And that's what was so frustrating hearing Joe Biden tell that bold-faced lie again tonight that parents were waiting to be reunified. They all know that that's not true. And we should at least have a word of defense for the parents in the other country because some of these kids could have been really annoying. That's true. Uh, and they just been like, I had to leave point. them there. That's a great I point. Want, I, want, I want to be across well, the board. You know, I do have a baby who screams all the time, <laughs> yeah, so, so you I know. can kind of understand right now. Let's just, let, let's, let's say this. If you are in, you're a parent and you're in a part of the country where it's really bad drugs, Mm -hmm. you have no chance of making it. It's better to leave your kid. I could see this happening where it would tear my heart out, but they have a better chance of survival in America on their own than they would back home. Well, that's a different story. And some of these stories are that way, right? I mean, right. like either in a, they're in a, you know, a, a lot of violence and, and they want to get them out no matter what. But it's, think of what that commentary is about our country. Right. Right. It shows for all of the beating that it takes from the left and the media mm-hmm. about how terrible it is here. People will literally abandon their children across the border because they think it's more important for them to be on this side of the border than to be with their own parents. Mm-hmm. So who do you think won the COVID thing? Last time, Donald Trump, they said, was was scaring old people. Um, I heard this from Donald Trump supporters, that he played it wrong and he was too cavalier about it. And and older people are concerned about COVID. They should. Um, uh, How did who won that? The the Grim Reaper saying we're all going to die soon. Uh, you know, look at the, I mean, it was like empty chairs and empty tables. I mean, I thought I was in Les Miserables for a minute. Who won? I think, you know, Biden likes to keep it on that playing field, right? This is a playing field in which he's favored in the polls by, you know, a significant amount over Donald Trump. And part of this is not, not, not that Biden would have done any better or anybody could have done any better, but it's a really negative time and a really terrible story. And, And people associate that with the president who was the president at the time. And that's Donald Trump. I thought he did a much better job explaining it here, focusing it on. And this is something we've talked about many times, saying that this is a serious situation, but that we also have to move on and keep our country open is 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 a sensible position for conservatives. I thought he outlined it really well there, talking about how, look, this has been devastating, but. We, we've already come back a, a good part of the way. We have all these things right around the corner. We're on the right path. And I thought when, when he, the more Donald Trump tries to defend random decisions he made in March, mm-hmm. he's on the losing side of that. The more he's looking to the future and saying we have a, a really bright uh, horizon to, to, that we're moving toward, mm-hmm. he, that's when I think he wins. And I think he did a much better job with that. Tonight. So, Sarah, let me ask you this, because when I heard Joe Biden say, but this is what we have to do, we have to have sneeze guards. <laughs> goggles! We need goggles! Yeah, we, like we need that. sneeze guards at every booth of every restaurant. Now, maybe it's because we live in Texas and common sense isn't entirely dead here, but the <laughs> jury's out on that. Um, 
Every time I walk in and everybody I talk to, when they go to a restaurant with those things, you have to walk in with a mask. Mm -hmm. But soon as you sit in the booth with plexiglass behind you and plexiglass in front of you, but it's open over the plexiglass and everywhere else, suddenly you're safe and everybody knows that's a joke. Is, was that an effective, this is my plan? Well, first of all, I don't know why you don't uh, appreciate science, which tells you <laughs> that obviously COVID can't travel within a it's certain very heavy. range. Yeah. Very heavy. It goes right to the ground. Yeah. No, I, I, do th- I would agree with you. And I do think that President Trump resonated with the average American person when he also brought up, after Joe Biden said that, he brought up the fact it, small businesses can't afford to do that. They can't afford to transform their restaurants, their nail salons, all of their places of business to put all of these, you know, structures in place because you think that it makes people feel safer. I also think that he resonated with the American people because, you know, he did need to course correct a little bit from the first debate. But I think that he did that because it was essential that he reminded people, we do need to protect our elderly. We do need to protect people with health conditions. We do need to protect people with diabetes. He made sure to bring those people up and say, I'm not saying we don't need to protect them. I'm just saying, like Stu, like you said, I'm just saying we have to move on. We have to open up the schools, which I think was Mm -hmm. important for the suburban moms to hear as well. So Mm -hmm. I do think that President Trump won that exchange, although I will say, the Grim Reaper, as you pointed out, Joe Biden. I don't think that he was horrible on it. I think that he made his point, I which obviously was, was best, to hammer President Trump. Yeah, I think that was the best section for Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know. It was also the beginning, so that could have been any, yeah, any could topic have been, at the beginning. Yeah, it could have been anything. Um, we have Steve Dace coming up, Dave Rubin also. And then on tomorrow's program, uh, we're going to talk to Bill O'Reilly. And I believe we have... Um, uh, Megan Kelly on. Do we have Megan Kelly on so. tomorrow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is on fire about the press. So she's going to be talking about how bad the press is uh, right now in some of these stories. That'll be on radio. Right now, we have um, um, Ali Beth Stuckey. She is the uh, host of Relatable here on Blaze TV. And I want to start with you, um, Ali, on um, the president has apparently a deficit with suburban moms they i i i think they probably feel that he is unstable unkind and they don't want a world in which you know they see our leaders doing these kinds of things two questions do you think the president um made them feel better at all tonight is one night enough this close to the election and two um do these same people, do you think their dent was made at all on the corruption of Joe Biden? Okay, first question. I think that if your concern as a suburban woman is that Trump is a bully, he's too bombastic, you don't like that kind of person being an example for your kids, then tonight, of course, was much better than the first debate. As far as the substance of what he was talking about, possibly. I think that he did a really good job defending his positions and going into attack mode on Joe Biden where it mattered. Now, as far as Joe Biden's corruption, I'm not sure that's a story that's going to resonate with suburban moms. I also don't think the Russian collusion story, even for suburban moms that don't like Trump, really resonated. They are very concerned from what I see on social media, from the people I follow, even the women that I'm friends with that are pretty conservative in other ways. It's a lot more about personality, personal failures, personal flaws, those things aren't going to come out in a debate quite as much. 
So if this night was enough to persuade them, I'm not really sure. There's been a big push by the Biden campaign to get, in particular, evangelical suburban moms. Of course, I think they're very misguided and confused. Um, but I don't think this debate in particular is going to have an effect on that group. I don't know how evangelicals, well, I don't know how Harry Reid was still a Mormon in good standing with his relationship yeah. with Planned Parenthood. I don't know how evangelicals right. um, uh, can can go there, but maybe that's just me. Um, the other thing that people are worried about, jobs and health care. How do you think each of them did? Uh, I think that I, I think Trump did very well. One thing that I, I think that was probably the best for him is when he emphasized the cost of life when it comes to the lockdowns, that we have mm -hmm. a necessity and a moral obligation to open up the country in a way that is safe. I thought Joe Biden was very weak on that. All of the suggestions that Joe Biden was making for companies to do, use plexiglass and social distancing and masks, people are already doing that. That's the whole point. Trump is saying, let's trust businesses and people to make the best decisions for them, but let's not shut them down so that people are continuing to die because they're unemployed and they're depressed and they're turning to alcoholism and tragically suicide. That to me showed a lot of empathy that I hope reaches some people that think that Trump is some you know, cold person that does have to do with the jobs. I think he did well on the economy and defending the necessity to open up the country to make sure those jobs come back. As far as health care, I mean, Joe Biden straight up lied that no one lost their plan because of Obamacare, that Biden care. Like he actually said Biden care that that's not going to be Medicare for all light. It is going to be. I thought Trump did a pretty good job of defending himself and his plans mm -hmm. um, on that. Uh, and was really good at showing the differences of the two plans as well. Yeah, I uh, I had a hard time, and Stu, you've worked with with me long enough. When he said, "No one, no one lost their plan." Oh, I lost my mind. I lost my mind because we did. <laughs> oh yeah, we had yeah. the best Cadillac. I mean, it was Rolls Royce <laughs> health insurance. And it became so expensive. And finally, the the health insurance company told me I was the only employer in the state of New York that still carried that because it was so expensive for the employees. And it killed me. But they priced it out so nobody else could go. And finally, the insurance company said, we can't. We, I mean, we just can't do this. That is a lie. There are a lot of people that lost. And it was interesting because. It, when it came to COVID, uh, Joe Biden was talking to these families that, and, and I don't mean to diminish the, the, the horror for these families that have lost somebody, especially those who have been locked away in nursing homes and, and have died without their children around them. When, they t when he was talking about 200,000 dead, you're talking about a country that is 350 million people. Yes, 220,000 dead, horrible, but 350 million, they're not sitting around the table with that missing person. And the same thing with health care. He was talking about 20,000 compared to 185 million. The numbers just don't, I, I just, I, was Biden actually speaking to a very small, narrow audience? And does that work? 
Well, I think that there are people who resonate with that message more than those that are actually included in those numbers. Of course, people hear 200,000. It is a big number. If one person died from coronavirus, of course, we would feel terribly and it would be absolutely tragic. Like you said, it's not to diminish the value of each of those lives. But I do think that people on the left in particular, they hear that number, they hear any number in relation to coronavirus, and they think the empathetic, the compassionate thing to do is to say, okay, well, in order to prevent another death, we really need to lock everything down or else you're not empathetic and you don't care about the value of those lives. And so I don't know if it reached a wide audience, the things that he was saying, but even the people who, you know, they uh, they haven't been affected by coronavirus, they won't be affected by this health care plan. They still feel that voting for Joe Biden is caring for the people who are affected by what they see as the consequence of Trump's incompetence, which is people getting kicked off health insurance or being uninsured and people dying by coronavirus. Of course, we think that reasoning is misguided, but um, he probably did appeal to the people who exclusively watch MSNBC. So, Ali, um, what does your gut say? I mean, we are a week from next Tuesday away from... And, and I've always hated when people on TV and radio say, that's the most important election. Shut up. They've been saying that every year since I've been born. But this time we are looking at a very different choice and a very different direction. Um, and one is freedom, the way the Republic and the Constitution have always outlined it. And then something new that sounds an awful lot like Marxism. Um, yeah. What's your gut say on what Americans are going to do a week from Tuesday? You know, it's so hard to say, and it seems like things are changing every day. If you had asked me two weeks ago, someone did ask me two weeks ago, and I said, my feeling is that Biden is going to win, but also don't ask me because I thought Hillary was going to win. I'm not feeling that way anymore. And again, this is just a feeling. I'm, I'm not a prophetess, and I, I don't know if the polls agree with me, certainly. But it feels like the race is getting tighter. It feels like the arguments for Joe Biden are getting weaker. I think that his incompetence and possible corruption is coming to the forefront, uh, despite the efforts of big tech and much of the mainstream media, especially places like NPR. And I think people are starting to think, OK, well, maybe it's not such an easy choice as the mainstream media would like us to think. Um, and I think Joe Biden saying tonight that he wants to get rid basically of the oil industry. And Trump said, OK, pay attention, Texas, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania. I actually think that could possibly make a difference right now. I think it's going to be a close, close race, closer than I thought two weeks ago. I'm not willing to make an absolute <laughs> prediction now. Mm -hmm. I think we're all that way. We're all hoping somebody else will say something we want to hear and be able to back it up. But Allie, thank you so much. Um, thank you. Allie Beth Stuckey, she is um, uh, the host of Relatable uh, on Blaze TV. We have Steve Dace coming up in just a second. I told you, Stu, on your show before we started that I talked to somebody who has access to state polling um, and said that it's Donald Trump is in a better position than you're you're seeing um, and he's actually slightly ahead in some of the uh, states that show him uh, slightly behind in these swing states Pennsylvania for one he said I'm actually after seeing these and he said this is a, a 
pollster that got it right uh, last time. He said, I actually feel better. He said, the only state I'm really worried about is Texas. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, look, I think if Texas goes to the Democrats, Donald Trump's already lost, right? Like, Donald Texas is not going to make the difference in this election. It's a much must win, of course, for Donald Trump. Um, But it's incredibly unlikely, I think, that that would be the difference. It would be a situation where we have a a very wide gap and Texas falls after Pennsylvania and Florida and Arizona and Mm -hmm. North Carolina have already fallen. Um, But, you know, you never know. Sometimes the weirdest things happen and, you know, the demographics of of Texas are changing. Um, It's interesting to watch him as opposed to that first debate where, like, those are two shades of the same person, right? Like, sometimes you see with politicians, they get in trouble because they try to be something they're not. Marco Rubio trying to be Mr. Slapstick mm-hmm. insult comic for one for one debate inexplicably last time. He was the insult dog. <laughs> he was the insult comic <laughs> dog. That was. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and it, it just didn't work. It wasn't authentic at all. This was authentically Trump. These, I think actually both of those debates were authentically Trump. Mm-hmm. The one he had tonight, if that was Trump all the time, I think he's in a much, much better position. And that's, that's a winning Donald Trump, I thought he presented tonight. If Donald Trump behaves this way... And he is seen uh, a lot. Uh, he, he, if he's this way all the way through the election, he's going to be um, he, he, he's going to be a, con- a real it's, contender. Things things will change. It's late though. I mean, it it's late. Really I mean, I think you know. If, I think forty nine million people have already voted. Yeah, I think this will help. You know, narrow the race a little bit. I think this. I think he he showed he he made some people who were uncomfortable voting for him after watching that last debate feel okay about it this time and that was a big part of his goal coming into this tonight but it's very late we're within two weeks of this election and will it be enough i don't know but i think he did what he he had to do tonight to to give himself a chance to win this thing i think if he blew this tonight he was toast and i don't he i thought he, he performed well i thought he was better than biden uh and you know i think he did he did himself some favors tonight i I am, um, I, I feel compelled to point out, did you vote for Donald Trump last time? I did not. You did not. Mm-hmm. I feel compelled to point out the rest of this broadcast, you're talking to Glenn Beck, who was not just not voting for him, was dead set <laughs> against him. Stu, right. you didn't vote for him, no. did you? You didn't vote. No. Uh, Steve Dace didn't vote. He's coming up in a minute. And Dave Rubin Did you vote for Donald Trump the first time around, Dave? Vote for Donald Trump. I voted for Gary Johnson. And and Glenn, let me throw in a couple other people since you're mentioning it. Ben Shapiro did not vote for Donald Trump. He's voting for Donald Trump this time. Uh, uh, James Lindsay, who I think you know him. Oh, he was uh, on my show this morning. Oh, well, well, there you go. I mean, he has now just in the last basically two days said that he's going to support Donald Trump. Uh, Tim Poole, who is uh, Mm -hmm. an actual journalist, one of the few people that I can call a journalist without going like this and who has a huge following online. He is going to vote for Donald Trump. Didn't last time. And and what about uh, our other guy, our other blaze guy, Crowder? I don't think Crowder voted for Trump last time, did he? I feel like maybe he didn't vote or. Yeah, I'm not totally sure. If anything, he certainly wasn't as gung-ho as he is right now. Right. And and what's amazing is every single one of us, we came to our own decision in our own way, in our own time, all different times. And uh, we I mean, we can't be alone because we're not 
I don't think anybody in that crew is holding their nose to vote for Donald Trump. I, I, I'm there. I am there. You, oh, you, I'm, I'm there, man. I mean, I'm shocked that this is what I'm telling you, honestly. Like, I, I, I'm shocked that I'm there, but I am really, really there. I think the confluence of big tech and mainstream media and the absolute corruption of the Democratic Party and the future of the left, which is a deep, dark socialist future, you add all of those things up. And if that is gonna put me in the camp with the, the guy that's orange with the crazy hair, who for some reason is the last guy guarding the gate, he's the last guy mm -hmm. keeping the barbarians out, I refuse to be one of the people, one of the elites who, know, who knows he's doing the right thing, but in, instead of backing him is saying, ha ha, look at the guy guarding the gate, you know, he, he's got, he, I don't like the way he talks or, or he uses uh, ketchup when he eats steak. And that's what these guys are doing. He's mm -hmm. taking critical race theory out of the universities. He flipped Title IX. He's trying to get the country reopened. He's doing the things that, that good liberals are supposed to want. And those, that's the group of people that I think is the most undecided right now. You know, the, the former me type people, let's say. And, and I think I just can't stand by and, and not support the guy that, that's doing it, even if I have some reservations about him at some level. He's a politician. Of course I have some reservations about him. So tell me, um, as a, a classic liberal, uh, somebody that understands freedom and also was, you know, with the Young Turks for a while. So you were... Wait, Why do you I mean, keep reminding me of that? Man? <laughs> I mean, it never ends with you. People remind me that I called Barack Obama a racist, which I contend at this point. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, uh, it, talk to talk to me about how uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden appealed or didn't appeal in tonight's debate to that well, person. I think yeah, so I was I was doing my own live stream, but I did catch you guys for a couple minutes there before I jumped on. And and I agree with what you were saying. I heard I heard Stu particularly. I agree with this idea that Trump was presidential tonight. He really was presidential tonight. And I think that is the thing that he needed to get across to those people. The people that are kind of seeing him as, oh, he's the last guy that's gonna stand up against big tech, against mainstream media, all the things that I just said. Well, the part that that, that they worry about the most is can this guy be sort of a decent human being? Can he can he be presidential? Can he not, you know, bicker about every little thing and constantly, you know, say, oh, the media is out to get me and the rest of it? Well, I think he did that quite effectively tonight. Really well. Now, as far as I, I, as far as it being too late, which I heard you guys talking about, I actually think the timing is just right. You know, you wanna you wanna peak and look your best in the in the week let's say before the election. Well, we're about 10, 11 days out right now. And we know there'll still be more surprises and who knows what's gonna happen with Hunter and the laptop. But I think Glenn, last time we spoke, you know, the, the idea that I'm focused on more than anything else right now is that we are in a reality war. And depending on what news channel you mm -hmm. watch, you are gonna, you're gonna hear one version of the stories about Hunter and, the, and all of that stuff and maybe you'll care about it and maybe you won't. But if you watch another channel, they'll either ignore it or tell it a totally different way. And that, to me, is a much bigger problem than our political problems. We've got, a, we've got a political battle going on, we've got a cultural battle, but both of those are underneath the reality war. And, and I think that's the part, it, why it's so hard to trust the polls or trust the mainstream media or the rest of it, because we're, we're all stuck in the, even those of us that do this for a living, we're stuck in the reality war ourselves.
Well, that's what, you know, we, I talked to James Lindsay today, fascinating. I just love the guy. He's honest, yeah. you know, he really, he thinks things through. And even if he doesn't like it, if he feels that's the right thing, he goes for it. And I, I respect those kind of people uh, all the time, both left and right. Um, Glenn, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something quick about James? Yeah. So, so I, I've known James for a couple of years. He's been on my show a few times and we've privately over the past few months, I've basically been, I don't know that he's going to be thrilled that I'm saying this, but I, I think he'll be okay. I've basically privately been saying to him, James, you know, the end conclusion for a guy like you is if you've devoted your life to, to fighting identity politics, to fighting critical race theory, well, then you have to back the guy who's doing it. And he really sort of had to get dragged to this conclusion, but I think what you just said there is on point. He took it to, to, to its end conclusion. And, and if you want people to truly live free and you don't want us all to have jobs because of quotas, racial and sexual and gender quotas, well, then you have to vote for the guy who's fighting it. So a guy who's a who's a liberal at heart, probably more lefty than me, I'm sure more lefty than me at this point, yeah. uh, he took it to the end conclusion, and the end conclusion was I have to support Trump. I yeah. think that's pretty fascinating. He went from never Trump to, um, uh, to I don't like either of them, to um, uh, never Biden, to now pro-Trump. I mean, he went the full the full circle and uh, fought it. And I think um, one of the things that really pushed him over the edge was the the silencing of media organizations uh, like The Post, like The Blaze, like you, like us. Um, that really bothered him. Do you think that that is something that will play to a lot of people who are um, still maybe undecided? Did, did the did the media cross the Rubicon on the, with their own arrogance of thinking that they can just tell people what's important, what's not, what's true and what's not, and get away with it today? My, my gut feeling on this is yes, that we don't even realize the depth to how deep their loss of influence actually is. That if it wasn't for a bunch of us, and we sort of have to do it at some level, if it wasn't for a bunch of us talking about how bad CNN is, nobody would, CNN is, nobody would know CNN was on anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that is the, that's the strange game that we're all sort of stuck in because, we, because mainstream exists and we want to correct its errors and then in a weird way we shine a light on mainstream. Yeah. While in many ways we are getting more views, we are getting more influence and have far more trust and, in, and usually in most cases, and I always say this, I'm not a journalist, but I think in most cases we're, we're doing a better job at at telling people the truth, or at least something that is in the in the realm of the truth. Because, because <laughs> at least I'm, an honest right, like, attempt to tell the truth. Exactly, exactly. Mm. That that's what it is. I can't sit here and tell you that I'm right about exactly everything, but I'm giving you my darndest take that that is honest so that hopefully you can you can form your own opinions about these things uh, i mean the subtitle of my book was thinking for yourself right i mean think right. for yourself in in the age of unreason that that's what we're in right now so I think mainstream media has lost it to a degree that we're not going to understand till after the election. That being said, for as confident as I am at the moment, and, and while I did think Trump did a nice job tonight, um, you know, this machine, you've been fighting this machine for longer than I have, Glenn, and you know it can, it can transform and recalibrate itself and do all sorts of crazy twists mm -hmm. and turns over the next 10 days. And what that means, I don't know. 
Um, but if I can quickly make a Star Wars reference here, because I can always I can always get one in there somehow. You know, Palpatine in the prequels. What did he do? He started a war, right? He started a war between the Republic and the Separatists, and he controlled both sides. And finally, when he had enough power, he shut down the Separatists, right? He shut down the Droid Army, and then he ruled everything. And I sense that if Biden wins, that in effect, why wouldn't at that point big tech just take us all out? There'll there'll be nothing any of us can do because they'll have the power of tech and the power of government. Trump is the last thing that stands in between those two things. I will tell you, Dave, I've been, I've been saying this since, oh man, 2005, been saying warning, 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 and, and everybody was telling me, you know, I'm not afraid, and I just wanna give a Star Wars reference myself. Oh, you will be, <laughs> you will be. <laughs> Uh, thanks. I appreciate it, Dave. Dave Rubin. Uh, you can find his uh, program online. His book is uh, Don't Burn This Book. And you can also find his show right here on Blaze TV. Let me let me just say this before we go to a guy who really knows the numbers and has been on the inside of campaigns for a long time. Before we go there. Um, you see how media is is being squashed. Any voices that disagree with uh, the lies that are going on right now, it is amazing. Um, if if these were lies and we could show, I mean, we've been skeptical on the, the laptop even. But there's one thing about being skeptical and doing your own homework and following it through, and another of just being blind to the truth and lying about it because you want your side to win that's what's happening in the media we had um we had the um editor of the new york post on today he talked about that on radio and uh and we also went into the story that the post broke that they are hiring chinese um uh digital experts the people who design algorithms that they have, what was it, eight or 12 people from on H1V, uh, H-1B visas at Facebook designing the hate speech uh, algorithms. And I don't know if they're bringing their knowledge from that, you know, super state, that Death Star of China over here, or worse, is Facebook teaching China how to do it even better over there? There is, there is unbelievable power in the truth. And there is also uh, real strength in numbers. We need your help. We need your help to, to bring the truth in spite of the media and big techs, uh, all of their, their efforts to uh, censor stories. It's big tech after big tech after big tech. They're all in the same boat. And when this election happens, uh, depending on how it goes, uh, if there is any kind of trouble, they are going to censor and uh, throttle us. And we won't be able to communicate on social media. I urge you to go to glenbeck.com and sign up for my e email newsletter. It's free. I urge you to go to theblaze.com, make that your homepage, so you are getting the news every day and you're not expecting social media platforms to um, to tell you the truth and to give you what we are printing. Um, but I also, if you would, 
I would like to invite you to become a team member at Blaze TV. We are, I think we are the largest independent conservative media group now in the world. It is amazing what this audience has built over the last 10 years. And we are giving our most important discount ever. If you enter the promo code blaze at blazetv.com, you're going to get $30, 30 off a one-year subscription. You're going to get the most pro-America, pro-free speech, um, and a group of people that actually try to tell you the truth, even if it is at our own expense. The truth is more important than anything. And all of the content is live and also on demand. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn and use the promo code either Glenn or Blaze. All right, Steve Dace, I want to ask you, as a guy who watches these things closely, usually from inside of a campaign, how did the president do? How did Joe Biden come off? And will any of this make a difference at this point? Steve, well, I think it'll make a, I think it's going to make a big difference, Glenn. Uh, I think uh, the president uh, clearly came into the debate with the momentum. Um, I think that the the momentum has shifted quite a bit in the couple of weeks uh, since we last had the two of them on stage, and since he got out of the hospital, and since the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett, and the conversation has gone away from his persona at the debate and back to issues. And I think there were a couple of moments here tonight that reverberate quite a bit. I, I was I saw a GOP consultant on Twitter. Uh, who's not very pro-Trump, and, and she said, well, Trump won tonight decisively, but given how many people are voting early, I don't think it'll make a difference. Well, about 40 million people have voted early. That's 29% of the 2016 electorate. So if we don't add a single voter from 2016, over 70% of this electorate hasn't voted yet. So you can bet your sweet bippy this is going to make a difference. In two <laughs> moments, I think we'll do that, Glenn. The first was early on. Both sides were very clear with clarity about their visions on lockdowns and how to proceed to the future. They gave the American people a very stark choice there to go by. But then what happened at the end, you know, um, in 1976, we had a very close election uh, and Gerald Ford, a lot of people think he lost because of a gap that he had in a one debate against Jimmy Carter, where he was insistent that Poland was not a communist country. That made him look in disarray, confused, etc. Joe Biden, voluntarily, unwittingly walking into, I'm going to end modernity. I'm going to, I'm going to shut down the oil industry. I think if, if, if I've got friends of mine on the Trump campaign, listen to what I'm about to say. If you guys don't park right here for the next 12 days, and you guys don't replay this like it's freaking Stairway to Heaven, man, or Freebird, <laughs> for the next 12 days, you're all fired, and you never should work in GOP political circles ever again, because Biden just handed you 270 electoral college votes with that soundbite. I will tell you that not only did he say he was going to end uh, oil, he also finally said what the line was on fracking, and that is not on federal land. Well, every oil man, everybody that I know that's in that business, that that's what they want. They want the federal license because that is vast amounts of the West. When you go west of the Mississippi, there's some states that the the private land is about 30 percent. Everything right. else is owned by the government. 
Yeah, I, I was shocked sitting here at the end. And I, I was, I was you know, formulating my thoughts at the end, and I thought, for the most part, both candidates probably did what they wanted to do. For the most part, there was a moment in the middle where I thought, oh, Joe was coming on. He was starting to slip. The dementia was coming in. Mm. And when the conversation flipped to healthcare, that seemed to re-energize him. But then he got really cranky and angry uh, in the final third. But I thought, hey, he got out of this relatively unscathed. I mean, it was really about Trump being poised and composed mm-hmm. so he can maintain his momentum and not make himself and his antics the day after story like what happened before. But when Biden stepped into this and he just he literally just took out a banana, ate it, dropped the peel and slipped on it all voluntarily. Trump didn't do anything. And Trump looked at him and said, really? Now, Trump's a great salesman. He recognizes an opportunity when he sees it. So he fully exploited it. But I think that is a massive gaffe from the Biden campaign. It's what we all know leftists really think. Mm-hmm. They just don't typically have to say it, Glenn, because the media will cover for them if they just lie and then do it after they get elected. For him to just say this preemptively up front, I, I think, you know, it, it has the chance to be a decisive mistake in this campaign. One last question, Steve. As you, you know, it's one thing because we, we look at things differently than the left does in America and Democrats do. And they just won't talk about Joe Biden's um, slippage. But as I watched as I watched him today, I looked at the clock, I think it was 34 minutes into it, is when I thought, oh, he's, he's losing gas. He is, uh, he's starting to, uh, um, and uh, he was getting confused. And it got worse as the night continued. Do you think anybody on the left and Democrats watched him last night or tonight and said, I, 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 he's, he's not got enough gas in the tank to do that job. Do I think there are Democrats who think this? Yes. People that are to the left of us? Yes. Do I think there are people on the left who think this? No. Uh, they are hostages to their ideology. He's mm-hmm. a Trojan horse. They're just, they're just hoping to get him past the city gate uh, so that we open the door, let them in. They come out, and they're the ones actually running the country. Uh, so I think on the, on the left, no. And I think that's actually his dementia is an attraction yeah, yeah. because it just goes to show that they can roll him once they're in the White House. Yeah. So I think there are Democrats that are concerned. Sure. I, um, I, I think the same thing about this, you know, this corruption scandal. If Joe Biden wins, um, what a win for the left to say, you know, this corruption scandal is true and we should get him out of here. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got Kamala as your president um, and they look like they're, you know, champions of fighting corruption. It's a it's an interesting it's going to be an interesting few months uh, ahead of us. Steve, thank you. Appreciate it. You bet. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow. Okay, on tomorrow's radio program begins at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. Um, we have Bill O'Reilly. Who else do we have? Megan Kelly, Bill O'Reilly, uh, Gavin McGinnis is going to be on with us. Uh, anxious to talk to him because he is the guy who kind of started the Proud Boys as a joke. Uh, and now Iran and Russia 
used the Proud Boys and directly targeted do- Democrats. Yeah, and if uh, you remember last time, that there was a big moment in the debate when, when Biden said, uh, you know, disavow the Proud Boys because of Charlottesville. If you go back and look at what the Proud Boys did with Charlottesville, Gavin himself said he didn't want to go because he didn't want to be associated with white supremacists. Right. It's like the exact opposite story, right. as, as, as Joe Biden was telling, which is <laughs> common. Common. Common occurrence. Common. All right. We will uh, see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for watching The Blaze. How about Sarah coming in on the uh, yeah, first day back? This is big. Are you coming yeah. back full time to work. Too. I can't tell you that yet. Yeah. I don't know. Max, this I'd max that time out. That, yeah. I would be like yeah. mid twenty twenty one. Well, your son Stetson <laughs> is so cute. Thank so you. So cute. Thank you. It's good um, to be here. All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow on radio. Good night.